Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Podcast on Fifth Ave. We're quickly approaching the end of the month of June and there has still been no progress made in extending, re-signing Evgeny Malkin or Chris Letang. And people are starting to uh, panic a little bit. I know that on Monday or Tuesday, beginning of the week, people on Twitter were really getting up in arms and, you know, Penguins management is starting to sort of speak out on it. I know that there was there was stuff floating around out there about stuff that Ron Hextall said and Brian Burke spoke on Sportsnet and it's definitely regardless of speculation, exaggeration, people just being in their feelings, it isn't a positive sign that there is virtually no headway being made in signing one or both of these guys. It's just looking like, oh, uh, ah, what are we doing? Or is this going to happen? It might not happen. So what what info do you have for us, Taylor, on the where things stand with Malkin and Latang? Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot of information out there something like Hextall obviously does not like talking with the media he doesn't like putting anything out there something you suddenly clean out day was like I do not negotiate through the media which means like any anything is not you know being said about where things are it's not coming from him and I get he has an agreement with um at least the Tang I assume Malkin that like they won't put anything out there either um so it's really hard to get any information but yeah we're recording this Wednesday. Free agency opens in two weeks. So I, you'd, you'd think, you know, if it's going to get done, it's going to get done within these next two weeks. Because if they do actually make it to that period where they can start talking yeah. to other teams, I don't know um, how likely it is that they're going to be back. But, I mean, so Brian Burke, he did talk on, um, I mean, you know, he used to work for Sportsnet. So he's close to, you know, the Sportsnet guys. And he went on, you know, their podcast. And he at least gave a little bit. He said that, you know, they do still want both players back. Um, he said, you know, I want everyone to emphatically know that, that they do, they are still talking with both Latang and Malkin, trying to get something done. Um, obviously, the the issue is the um, term and uh, cap space. I mean, mm. the salary cap, it, it has to make sense. Um, both those areas, Penguins, they have, what, nine forwards, six defensemen, and one goalie under contract with, you know, around like 23 million. In cap space, not a whole lot of wiggle room. Um, I mean, so I was 
you figure they might make a trade to unload um to shed some salary make it easier to find yeah. these guys i did hear that you know Pet- front office is talking about Pedersen, which makes sense given like the depth at lefty Pedersen makes four dollars yeah. pio joseph um he's a restricted free agent but he's someone who could come up and definitely be cheaper yeah for so sure there are ways to to free up um cap space now i mean something i thought was interesting that burke said was um you know, given where things are with the salary cap, it's kind of difficult to negotiate with with both equally at the same time because yeah, you don't know how, I, what needs to happen is one needs to sign and then you know where things stand cap-wise and then you sign the other. And so that's what they're doing and Latang is the guy they're talking to more so first. So they're prioritizing Chris Latang. They are still talking with Malkin's agent but Latang is the priority, priority, which makes sense. I think mm-hmm. if you look at like the available options in free agency for both like right D and centers, um, yeah, the right-handed defenseman market uh, n- not great. It would be hard. It would definitely mm-hmm. be harder to replace Latang than it would be to replace Malkin. So that yeah, that's that would be my guess as why they're prioritizing Chris. Mm-hmm you know yeah they're just so there are so many different things that they'd have to take into account and yeah it it again it's not encouraging that there still hasn't been a they haven't reached a deal but it is at least good to know that they're prioritizing Latang because I, I think that the general consensus even even before was it seems like replacing Latang and what he brings to the table would just be way more difficult than replacing Malkin. And that's not to downplay Malkin and what he can do and what he's done for the team. But in general, Chris Latang's ability would just be hard to, to replicate. And that's a first pairing defenseman. Like you're, you're not going to just like pull another guy from within the lineup that the Penguins have right now and just place him on the first line and expect that to go swimmingly. And like you said, the market, not great. So hopefully they can reach some type of agreement with him and then, if possible, um, maybe do the same with Malkin. But I, the the likelihood of them potentially signing neither of them is probably – just as good, if not a little bit better than them signing both or one of them. So what does that mean? If what, what do the Penguins have to do or what do they have to be looking for in the free agent market to, to supplement that uh, if they lose both of these guys? Yeah, I think, you know, in either case, especially Latang, I think, you know, I know fans, they're salary cap space you know you can't afford to pay him whatever I think Latang if you look at what you know defensemen are getting he can, you can probably expect around like nine million so Latang probably due for a raise just given what he brings um mm-hmm. and so if you, you figure you know nine million is what you're working with I don't think you're gonna you know if they do hit, you know Latang doesn't come back and they hit free agency I don't think you're gonna get someone that's as good as Latang for e- even cheaper. You'd be pe- probably paying just yeah. as much for someone that's not as good. So I yeah disclaimer. I I still think Latang. If anyone you know they get something done with, but I mean there are a couple of 
defenseman um, on the market. Uh, right, right-handed. Uh, Kling, John Klingberg and Josh Manson seem to be the closest to, um, like, the ideal two. But, I mean, there a couple others. I mean, P.K. Subban, Colin Miller, Justin Schultz. Some of those would be cheaper than others. But, I mean, like, guys like a Klingberg or a Manson, you're, you're going to be paying probably just as much for, for not yeah. you know Latang you're probably still gonna be able to get a bit of a hometown discount just you know right actually want to leave I don't know we've talked about you know like the Montreal thing before like you know, a lot of people mm-hmm. are saying like oh you, you, he wants might, might want to play for his hometown and like his former agent is now the GM there I think that's, yeah. that's overblown um, yeah Montreal's not winning anytime soon that's pretty clear and a player doesn't always want to play for their hometown team. You mm-hmm. know, it can be a bad thing in some cases. I mean, more distractions. You have, like, family or friends there. You can get me tickets, that kind of stuff. And especially, I think, playing in a Canadian market, um, a lot more pressure. And then also, even, like, you know, step up from that, a French-Canadian player playing in Montreal, a whole lot more pressure. So I don't I don't know if... Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't see what Latang would get out of it other than well being yeah and there was that's just I don't know I think that's all speculation again like people were saying that about Brian Rust in Detroit like he may want to go there because hometown and then he ended up yeah signing here for less money than he probably would have made in Detroit and it just it yeah maybe some guys do have this burning desire to play for the team that they grew up around but I have a feeling more often than not, guys just want to be in a solid town where they have a really good chance to win and get paid fairly to do it. And yeah, Montreal, no, that's that they're not the them being in the cup finals was a fluke. And <laughs> yeah, like it, yeah, not it, it just doesn't seem like Latang would even have any desire to do that yeah who knows I mean like yeah you mentioned like Brian Russ it, everyone was like oh yeah Detroit definitely the front runner if he doesn't re-sign here probably because you know Detroit obviously rebuild, rebuilding team they had a lot of cap mm-hmm. race, so they definitely could have given Brian Russ more money and I did ask like Brian Russ after he signed like did you ever seriously consider hitting for agency you know because he did definitely take less and he was like not even a thought um yeah come back here so I think yeah a lot of people are trying to guess what are in these guys heads um and no (laughs) one knows and uh, so I mean just to touch on like the centers who are available because the if 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 Malkin goes the second line center is not someone in-house Jeff Carter's not gonna be your second line center (laughs) or Teddy Bluger they have to add be a free free agency um Nazem Kadri I think uh, I mean, he's. This is another situation where, like, what they would be paying Malkin, they might have to pay more to get one of these guys on the. Yeah. But, um, Cadre definitely due to get paid. Vincent Trocheck, I know everyone wants him because he's from here. Uh, Again, oh my God, the hometown stuff. <laughs> Everybody just like cool it a little bit. Um, Ryan Strom, uh, two two centers who there are two like good centers who are available that probably won't sign here. Uh, Patrice Bergeron, I feel like if he comes back at all, it's, I mean, well, he's going to come back. It's going to be in Boston. Um, yeah. And then Claude Giroux, I, I, that would be real, really weird. Um, yeah. I don't, 
I, I, I don't see Claude Giroux coming to, to Pittsburgh. And I know, like, the thought is, you know, if Malkin does hit free agency, a lot of people are talking about the Capitals because Nicholas Backstrom, um, um, his surgery, the surgery he had isn't one that um, is really easy for NHL players to come back from. Um, it hasn't really happened too often. And when it has, it's really been for it, – it's a very long recovery, and they typically don't play for very long after. So – Baxter might be done. That's why I think like people talking like Malkin to the Capitals. I, I don't see that happening either. I think that's hopefully not. I don't know. I mean, what like Flurry? Flurry when the Capitals wanted to get him in the trade. Um, yeah, he, he said no. He was, it would be too weird. I don't know. I feel like again, it's hard to get into Malkin's head or any of these guys' heads. But it, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm if I had, if you had asked, I I think both come back and they make the money work by trading Pedersen or something like that. I hope you're right because it would be weird to see either of them play somewhere else and it would be it just it seems like poor cap management to have to try to fit a similar caliber player under the cap by you know it just it just doesn't seem like it would make sense to get rid of them to pay somebody else as much if not more but I I hope you're right I feel like they both want to be here and Oh, oh gosh, I guess we'll see. We have a couple weeks so before free agency starts so we can just hopefully ride it out and get some good news there. But why don't we take a quick break and we will be right back. We're back be remiss if we didn't at least touch on the conclusion of this season with the Colorado Avalanche defeating the Tampa Bay Lightning in six games in Tampa Bay to win the Stanley Cup. And I feel like we both kind of basically predicted that, um, right? We were pretty pretty spot on. Yeah, I know a lot of people were betting on you know Tampa to, to three-peat. A big part of that is just the goaltending matchup, you know, Vasilevsky yeah. versus Kemper. But um, I mean, I think, yeah, you and I were both on the same page, you know, yeah, definitely Tampa wins a goaltending matchup, but the rest of Colorado just so strong. There's no way they so lose good. this. And yeah, you're right. <laughs> we were, we were right. Yeah. And Kale McCarr won the con Smythe very, very well deserved. And it was just a, with the exception of officiating being, you know, pretty dang spotty at times on both sides honestly it was it was just bad overall it was a really fun series to watch it was the the speed and the talent on that abs team and tampa bay just kind of hung in there until the very end when they you know kind of let it get away from them but they didn't really they just and that was what they had going for them besides vasilevsky was how hard they fought to to come back in each series even if they were down like they just they didn't really give up and that made for a super entertaining series but in the end they were just outmatched tremendously and it's yeah it it's always exciting when the most talented team wins the cup and that definitely doesn't happen all the time and 
Colorado deserved it and then some because they're just so so freaking good and it was it ended up being a lot of fun it was really good hockey and I was like mildly disappointed it didn't go to seven games because it would have been great to have just one bonus game of hockey but I also was glad that the abs clinched it in Tampa because yeah, it was it was just good to see them close it out, and I was rooting for them, and it was it was just so fun. Yeah, I mean, Camel Car, unreal, unanimous voting uh, for the Smythe, too. That's just very rare, but yeah, far and above the the best player. I know. I think Nathan McKinnon was almost unanimously the number two. Um, he had a great series too. I I know a lot of people voted for like Vasilevsky for like the third in there because you get three picks. Um, okay, a lot of people did vote for Vasilevsky like third. Um, which, I mean, he, he did have a great series too, I think, um, other than, you know, the seven nothing game, but again, we talked about it at the time that wasn't on him, but it's, you know, hard to, a losing goalie can win the, a losing player, usually goalie can win the con Smythe. I mean, like Ron Hextall did it when he was with the Flyers, but, uh, Vasilevsky, when he left some seven goals, regardless of whose fault it was, you know, he's not going to yeah con Smythe, but yeah, he, he still had a great series. Um, did you see uh, Kucherov the last like thirty seconds of of the game? That was crazy. Yep. I mean, that so, was wild. For people who like didn't see, so he uh, he broke a stick. Um, thirty seconds left. Tampa's down by one. They're trying to tie it. Kucherov's on the ice. He. This is when there was the icing that well the the non icing people thought it was going to be um icing. So I don't know if everyone was. It seems like there was confusion. Every, not, not everyone was playing like they thought play was going to continue. And I, I think that yeah. you know, goes with the equipment managers, too, because Kucherov broke a stick. He went over the – I mean, you watch, like – you know, you see it a lot with, like, the, the Penguins. Um, you know, like, John Tagliani, he's, like, the guy who stands by the sticks. And if a Penguins player breaks their sticks, it's like he – like it's like the muscle memory. Like, you know where – Mm-hmm. Um, that guy is on like the rack and like he has it. I mean, like when Crosby broke the stick, um, he grabbed it right away. Crosby, you know, got it from the bench and scored. Um, yeah, two, se- two seasons ago. Two, oh. Yeah, I think they were wearing the reverse retro that's, jerseys, so it would have been two years ago. Yeah, that's ago. how I remembered. Yeah, it happened in the white jerseys. But uh, so yep. Kucherov, he broke a stick. He gets to the bench. The icing uh, wasn't called, so play continues, and he's trying to get the stick. The equipment guy didn't have it ready. Um, and uh, you see him getting frustrated, and he takes off his gloves and throws them at the equipment guy, essentially taking himself out of the game because not only does he not have a stick, he doesn't have gloves No, he doesn't either. have gloves. He can't go back there even if – if he just waited like a second or two, the equipment guy would have had the – but by then, he's so far out of the play. So, I don't know. I yeah. You kind of feel bad for, like, the equipment guy too because – there was some confusion with like the icing, mm-hmm. but um, just seeing Kucherov react that way, you're seeing like a lot of yeah. the Tampa guys become like the villains, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, crazy. Yeah, because there was some. Didn't Steven Stamkos do something? It was it game six. I feel like there was something that was going around on Twitter that he like. It was the game game five because what uh cop or. Uh, what game was it when Colorado won in overtime? But no one saw. Yeah, game five. I think this is what you're talking four. about. Four, four, four. Yeah. Force. Yeah. Anyway, the, the Colorado scored in overtime. 
um, but a lot of people didn't see the puck go in. Um, but it was like wedged up top of um, in like the corner of the net, and he like tried to take it out of the net and like hide it. So like people didn't. But I mean, like everyone obviously ended up seeing the puck go in. You know. <laughs> yeah. He tried. He tried to hide it. Oh, my goodness. Honestly, first of all, I love. Um, so back when this used to be on NBC. You'd get like five minutes into the celebration, and like they'd they'd you'd have to change your channel. They'd, they'd send it over to the NHL network. NBC could not be bothered to show too much of the celebration. Yeah. ESPN <laughs> did do a good job. They stayed with it for like an hour. Um, and there was a uh, there's that at least, yeah. I but like my favorite part of like the cel- first of all, they dented it right away. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my god I'll, my heart stopped when i saw that yeah albe kubel to just to show one of the because he came from the flyers don't let the flyers anywhere near the cup but no it's like he they don't know what to do with it. he was holding it and he was skating over what to take the picture and he, mm-hmm. he fell and like dropped it like it didn't fall that far but it dented the the rim around the bottom which i guess is i mean so that's not really the cup gets dented all the time but the yeah. the bottom that he did dent, like the the base, does get replaced every year, regardless. So it's not like he dented something. Yeah, but <laughs> um, that was funny. But um, I liked uh, Nathan McKinnon could like not stop talking about Crosby, <laughs> which was heartwarming, beautiful. Yeah, like oh my God, was it? Um, he's talking to Emily Kaplan immediately after, and uh, Cogliano skated up to him and was like eighty seven, eighty seven. And then skated away, and Emily Kaplan's like, "What was that about?" And Nathan McKinnon, he was like, "My hotel room last night was 1787." And he's like, "We knew we were gonna win then because, you know, Crosby. We all love Crosby. Crosby, you know, gave him a little extra luck. I thought that was so incredible. Funny. He just wins the cup, and like, it's like the second question. He's talking about how much he loves Sidney Crosby. And then he went on um, Sportsnet, like, kind of right after, and did an interview with them." And uh, just talking about like what it means to to win, and he's like, my my name is going to be engraved on there along with my idol eighty seven. Oh my god, <laughs> incredible! For, you know, minute. Um, something I thought was really funny. He said uh, that you know he went he would go to Crosby's uh, cup parties, and he was the drunkest guy at Crosby's. So he wants Crosby to be drunk at his. <laughs> Which <laughs> we'll see. Oh my god, they get. They go hard in Cole Harbor. I guess so. <laughs> My God. I get oh, nuts. And then um, McKinnon's dad did an interview with like NHL.com after, and he said, you know, he's looking forward to the party um, because he went to the party at, you know, Troy Crosby's house, you know, Crosby's parents' house. And he said, you know, the first person he's inviting is Troy Crosby. Uh, <laughs> so it just runs in the family. But I think that's so funny that McKinnon wants a cup. And, it's like it felt like all talking about, about Crosby, City Crosby. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing! It's so wholesome and what a love story for the ages. <laughs> it's incredible! Oh my god! Uh, one other thing, league wide. So they announced the um, Hall of Fame class for 2022. Taylor, can you give us some insight on who's on that bill? Yeah. So very Canuck heavy. Um, both Sedin brothers and Roberto Luongo. So cool to see all of them go in uh, together. Uh, I think people expected at least the Sedin twins. Um, Daniel Alfredson mm. uh, gets in. Um, that's it for the NHL 
or, or the the men uh on the builder side it's um uh herb carnegie um you know one of the first black players in the game um so cool to see him get in very long overdue and then the women mm-hmm. uh rika salen and she's finnish um you know the greatest you know, finnish women's players ever and so this is the first time that um, a woman outside of North America has been inducted into the the hockey hall. Okay, so that's really cool. Um, Very cool. I mean, probably one of the biggest snubs on the men's side is uh, McGillney. Um, I think he's it was like in his ninth year of eligibility. Um, it's not like baseball where it expires. You know, in the MLB when they vote, it's like if you don't get in within a certain year, number of years of eligibility, you're just out forever. It's not like that in hockey, at least. So I think McGillney will get in eventually. Um, Rod Brindamore, I know people were were upset about him. Some people, t- Sergey Gonchar, I feel like Sergey Gonchar, Rod Brindamore, so, uh, with maybe within the coming years. But, I mean, my biggest issue is on the women's side. So the men, they can do four per year, right? The women, first of all, women have only been getting into the Hockey Hall of Fame since 2010. And oh. they have a limit of two per year. Completely arbitrary. But they don't use it. Like, the men typically for all four, they use all four of those spots. The women, so about 12, this is 12 years now that, you know, women have been allowed in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, they've only used all two spots in one year. One time. The first year. Who's voting on this? <laughs> right? Like there there's eight what? there's eighteen voters and you have to get like fourteen um of the eighteen to agree to to get them in. Um there I believe there are only like two women on the panel. I feel like if you can't get fourteen of the eighteen to agree on some of these picks, then maybe the problem the problem is not with the talent pool, it's with the voters. Like I don't yeah. know, maybe get more women on the panel, or at least people that have experience covering women's hockey because I think yeah couldn't hurt one of the biggest outrages I mean at least on the women's side Caroline Roulette um third in scoring I believe all time for Team Canada she has like just four Olympic golds um six world championship golds like she's one of the greatest you know Canadian women's players of all time definitely deserving this was her first year of eligibility I believe she'll get in at some point here but yeah still ridiculous and definitely deserving like Rika Salen yeah Mm -hmm. she should go in but use that other spot on Caroline Roulette or like uh Jennifer Botterill I think you know people thought she was gonna get in you know a couple years ago that she's she's been eligible but um it's just I don't know the problem is with the the voters I think if they're not they can't find two women every year they're definitely you know a couple (laughs) of deserving women who it's like how are they not getting in yeah that's so dumb. The only is thing that makes much. sense to me is, um, so, you know, Salad and she wants to get in. Caroline Ouellette, um, her wife is um, Julie Chu, who is one of the, you know, uh, greatest American players of all time. This is also her first year of eligibility. Um, I feel like she should get in at some point. The only way this will make sense is if Ouellette and Chu go in together next year. Mm. You know? Salonen gets in. I don't know. Maybe they could have also put uh, Jennifer Botterill, but uh, Caroline and let Julie Chu go in together. I think that would be great. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's a thing in cool moment. women's hockey. A lot of 
this is that's not the only example of like the Canadian and U.S. women like marrying each other after they're done playing. <laughs> uh, Meg, Megan Duggan did it. Captain of Team USA. She married a Canadian woman. I think there's a couple others, but um, I don't know. I just think that's it, it's really cool. But yeah, it'd be cool if they go into the Hall of Fame together next year. Be awesome. They yeah. don't at least use two spots. If Caroline Roulette, at least her, she doesn't get in, we riot, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Agree. Let's plan for it now, just in case. Storm the hockey all the <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like uh, that sounds great to me. Let's book it. Yeah, let's uh, let's take one more break. We'll be right back. And we're back. So just as this NHL season officially concluded. The Penguins are gearing up for their developmental camp uh, July 10th through the 14th, which is less than what? Like three days after the draft. Um, Yeah, it's a handful of days after the draft. So that's something exciting, but it's going to be a bit of a whirlwind. What what are we looking at in terms of who we can expect to be there, what we can expect to see, what kinds of stuff we can hope to to watch go down for that? Yeah, so it's uh, it's gonna be in Cranberry. It's all open to the public. Um, if you look on DK Pittsburgh Sports, I mean, I, I have a story up with like the full schedule. It's I mean a five day event. I feel like it's not typically that long. Um, the la the last uh, day they do the scrimmage. They play play for the Michelle Breer Cup, named after the Penguins who died in the seventies. Um, so uh, that'll be cool to see. You know the. They take it a little bit seriously, like they want to win. Yeah. But um, <laughs> uh, as far as like prospects to watch for, right now there are twenty four on uh, the roster. They do sometimes add to it. Um, five interesting ones that I'll be looking for. Um, you know, because they sign a ton of undrafted free agents out of like college junior. Uh, mm-hmm. This season alone, um, for. Corey Ninovsky out of Princeton, Jordan Frasca out of Kingston in the OHL, Ty Glover um, out of Western Michigan. Um, those are the forwards they signed. They signed goalie Taylor Gauthier out of Portland in the WHL, Colin Sawyer. Um, he's, he's the only defenseman they signed in for agency. All of them will be there. So this will be our first look at those five guys um, in person. That'll be really cool. Um, a couple of AHL-contracted players who – um, so, I mean, they're going to be – they're under contract at the Wilkes-Barre, but they're not technically Penguins prospects. A lot of times they can earn NHL deals with, like, the big club. Um, there are a couple of them. Um, defenseman Chris Ortiz, who was here last year too. Um, defenseman uh, Clay Hannes, who also – he's coming from Portland in the WHL. Sam Hood, who was was here last year. And uh, Brooklyn uh, Kamikov, coming from the QMJHL. Uh, he's a forward and then goalie Tommy Napier, who, uh, has been in Wolves for the last two years. So a couple of guys, you know, fans might not, uh, know too well. Um, mm-hmm. of, so the Penguins, they had, you know, the development camp last year, not all of their 2021 draft picks made it to that. Tristan Bros, the, their second round pick didn't make it. Daniel Latch, their, one of their seventh round picks did make it last year. Both of them will be there this year. Um, so exciting. First look at them. Winston Bros. He did recently just transfer from um, Minnesota to Denver in college. Uh, be interesting to talk with him about that. 
Uh, and then, you know, every year they do typically invite uh, undrafted free agents who, um, I mean, sometimes usually at college might be looking to leave college early, um, either this year or next year. So they do have two of those guys coming. Um, forward Max Assassin, who is six foot one, one hundred and eighty-one pounds, left-handed shot, nine goals, thirty and assists in thirty-seven games. He was a freshman last year, and Aiden Fulp, um, big right-handed shot defenseman. He's twenty-two, six foot three, two hundred and ten pounds, um, two goals, eleven assists in thirty-four games last year. He was a sophomore. Both of them coming from Western Michigan, so it'll be interesting to see if they can get contracts because you know not a lot of Ah, depth in the system. So that's why they can do keep going mm-hmm. with these free agents. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they get uh, deals. Uh, the goalies attending. So I mentioned uh, Gauthier. Um, Philip Lindbergh, it'll be interesting to see him just because he got hurt in November last year in Wilkes-Barre, his first pro season. Uh, that ended the season. It was his ankle injury, uh, JD Ford uh. told me. So... He wasn't skating by the time the AHL season ended, so I don't, you know, just because they're coming to camp doesn't mean they're 100% healthy, so hopefully he's back on the ice and we get to see him on the ice, but um, it's him, and then uh, the other goalie, other than Napier, Gauthier, Lindbergh, it's uh, Joel Blomquist, who right now probably, arguably, their top uh, goaltending prospect coming from Finland. Uh, he was a backup in the top finish league last year. He's going to take over as starter next year. He's actually, I did just talk to him, um, in a phone interview, he's doing his, uh, mandatory military service over there in Finland. That's something they have to do. Um, uh, men in Finland, they have to complete a couple months. I don't know what the, he's doing it until August. Um, where they just train to be in the military. Uh, he did tell me he was getting leave to come over. Um, wow. <laughs> and then play in development camp. So, um, yo, Blomquist, the reason I talked to Blomquist, so, um, outraged because, so the world juniors, they're playing them this summer. Uh, this is the second attempt at doing the world juniors. Cause if, it's, if you remember, it was supposed to be in December. Mm-hmm. It was not in a bubble. Um, surprise, surprise. They had positive COVID tests after, you know, all those players flew over from other countries to, Edmonton and Red Deer, Alberta, shut down the tournament after a couple of days because they had so many cases. Um, they're doing it again in Edmonton. Um, I, I guess it's a bubble this time. I think they learned from last time. But so Yul Blomquist um, of like the Finnish, you know, U twenty goalies. He's he's the best in that age group. And if you look at the season he had in Finland, it, it unreal. Um, and he was he was on the roster for the first time they tried doing this tournament. So teams now are starting to announce their uh, camp rosters. You know, so they're going to do the selection process all over again. So it's just training camp rosters, and you know they're going to select the rosters from that. Mm-hmm. He did not even he's not even on the camp roster this time. So he's not going to be in the World Juniors. Kind of why right? That's what I thought. So like that's that's weird uh, because if you look at the goalies they're inviting, they're from like the Finnish like second league. Uh, he's and he, he's clearly better than them. So I I, I talked to him on the phone um, and I was like, did you receive an like an explanation? Um, first of all, he didn't get one. He didn't 
hear about this until after the rosters already came out. And then the coaches called him after. Um, so he didn't know this was coming. What he was told was, um, he said, the coaches called me and explained that it was, it was because I, in their eyes, chose the NHL over the national team. So he's, they think he's prioritizing his NHL future over the national team. Now, why do they think this? Uh, he said, at least, this is what he believes, and it makes sense, is um, so when his finished team season ended in April, um, kind of like right after that, he, he left Finland to come over and play um, in Wilkes-Barre. Uh, he, was, he was there for two weeks. If something happens, they come over and try out contract. Mm-hmm. Guys who weren't, you know, you see in juniors, college, Europe, when their season's in there, they'll come to Wilkes-Barre, finish this season, even if they're not going to be there next year. Bill Blomquist, he's not going to be in Wilkes-Barre next year. He's going he he's gonna to be a, a starter in Finland. So he did that. He came over two weeks, mostly practice. He played one game. But in that time he was there, Finland, the, the, the national team, they played in like a very small European tournament, four teams um, in the Czech Republic. So Blomquist was not available for, available for the tournament because he was in Wilkes-Barre because the Penguins asked, like, asked him, like, do you want to come over? So he did that. And he missed this tiny four-team tournament. Wow. And the coaches are holding it against him and not letting oh my him God. play for the World Junior Team. So if they want to lose, that's so that's stupid. Fine. Like, <laughs> right? He, like, he's he's your best goalie. I mean, they have. Oh other- my God! What a petty thing to do. Insane. I felt so bad for him. He sounded like sad on the phone, but insane. Like, okay, if you want to lose, that's fine. Um, I mean, like they have a strong team otherwise, and there are like capable goalie options, but they're leaving their best one at home. Um, and I just, I just can't wow. fathom that. <laughs> that's really stupid kid. and i mean because he's 20 this is yeah. his last chance at playing in the world juniors so that's that uh this is how his career with the Finnish junior team ends what is that's just so dumb right <laughs> it's, so the penguins it makes no sense you look back to you know the first time they tried doing this tournament we talked about it on the show at the time they had three prospects in it which is crazy they don't even always have one but they had three in it Kelly mm. Klang, Yo Blomquist, and Kirill Tankov. Yo Blomquist getting snubbed by his Finnish team. Kelly Klang, they traded in the time <laughs> to Anaheim. I mean, he's going to be there, but for Sweden, yeah. But he's not a Penguins prospect. And then Kirill Tankov is Russian, and the Russians are not in the tournament anymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> the Penguins. So if you're a Penguins pro- fan, no reason to watch the World Juniors because. Nobody's in it. No, I mean, Logan Coley, local kid, um, going to be drafted this year okay. from Pittsburgh. Fun. Watch for him, but yeah. no Penguins ties at all. So that kind of, that stinks. Um, that does stink. Another Finnish prospect news, Casper Bjorkvist. Poor one out. Poor protein shake out. Uh, for, <laughs> he signed in Finland. Kind of surprising. Yeah. I mean, he had a, like a rough... The last two, so this was really his first season in North America. The year before mm. that, they kept him in Finland for the year just because of the effects COVID had on the season. Like the AHL season was right. starting late, finished season was starting on time. They left him in Finland to get more playing time. The year before that, he tore his uh, ACL after like six games in practice. So he missed the full year. 
Yeah. He had an okay. I mean, no, he really didn't have a great season in the AHL, like production wise. And he, you know, said after the season that he wasn't really happy with his play in the AHL. But he did finally get called up to Pittsburgh. He played six games. Um, he scored in his debut mm-hmm. period. Um, I think if he would have stuck around, he could have probably competed for the for a, a bottom six spot. Yeah, you know, absolutely. There's, there's some spots available. I think Drew O'Connor is going to take one of them, but. I don't know, he probably could have competed for a spot, but yeah, signed a two-year deal deal in Finland um, with with Carpat, which is Blomquist's team, so they're gonna be together. Good for them. Okay. Yeah. Um, nice. But uh, yeah, so that's the end of Casper Bjorkvist's time in Pittsburgh. I mean, so he was a restricted free agent. They could still extend him a qualifying offer, which would retain his uh, RFA rights, but he is twenty-four years old. You only keep RFA rights until. 27 so it's a two-year deal in finland it would only be for that last year so if he plays his okay two years in finland if he wants to come over to the back to north america immediately they would have his rights but i don't know there's no disadvantage to making that qualifying offer but um yeah it's <laughs> he's probably might be for nothing yeah probably not coming back um, yeah, bummer. Yeah. Liked him a lot. He was really nice kid. <laughs> yeah, good player too. That's, that's unfortunate. Yeah, and I mean, but what are you gonna do? A lot of people know, like, um, he, he very, very physically strong. Um, you know, Bill Guerin. When Bill Guerin was around, he said uh, the one time that you know Casper he shattered all of their fitness testing records. You know, they do in training camp, not mm-hmm. just like the like of the prospects of like just in general <laughs> Casper Bjorkus is you know shattering these records um a lot of that is like weight stuff I know he did recently just change um his trainers and it seemed like he is focusing less on the strength stuff um more like stuff that benefit maybe him actually on the ice mm-hmm. but I don't know he's not coming back anyway so it really doesn't matter <laughs> R.I.P. sucks for us yeah because he was he was a fun dude. Gonna miss I know, him. They're losing all sure. their fins. Um, uh, he left for Finland. Yusa Rikola. He signed in Finland. Uh, Nicholas Almari, who was a, pro- a defense prospect who was around the last couple of years, he didn't come up. He signed in Finland. Um, they just everybody's from Finland. They're just down to Lindbergh and Pustinen and Jeez. Casper Bjorkvist. He was one of the ones down there in Wilkesbury because you know Wilkesbury had a ton of fins. Casper was the one that was forcing Valtteri Pustinen to speak English because he needs to learn. Mm. A lot of them would, like, you know, placate Pustinen and speak Finnish with him because that's what he was comfortable doing. But, you know, Casper's like, no, you need to learn English. Say it in English. But <laughs> so I don't know what this means for Valtteri Pustinen's English. But um, other. Hopefully someone else will step in. Right. Or, his English definitely yeah. did get better over the course of the season. But I don't know. Going home in Finland for the summer, if that that's a. I don't know how much I can get. Uh, yeah. <laughs> other uh, developmental prospect news. Um, so Scott Young, the director of player development for the past couple of years, he, uh, former Penguin too, won the cup with them in the 91. Uh, he took a job in Vancouver. So Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford just poaching, you know, Penguin's front office. Um, Scott Young, he was, he's their director of player personnel. So, what they did uh, was promote Tom Kostopoulos from player development coach to director of player development, which biggest no-brainer move of the summer, I think. Because Tom Kostopoulos, 
you know, he, he, he had three different stints as a player in the Penguins organization. Um, and in the last one, you know, his last couple of years, he was in Wilkes-Barre. And, you know, I, I, I was interviewing him as a player and it's like, it was almost like he was a development coach back then. I mean, he was, he was still contributing at the AHL level. Like he was a good player at the AHL level his last couple of years, but it, it, his, it was like his biggest focuses were just helping the younger guys. And, mm. you know, I remember talking to uh, like Teddy Bluger when Teddy Bluger was, you know, a young guy in Wilkes-Barre and taught, he was talking about how big, you know, Kostopoulos was for him. And then, you know, Kostopoulos when he retired, what, three yeah. years, four years ago now, um, immediately got hired as a player development coach. And uh, the players I've talked to down there, they, they all say the same stuff about Tom Kostopoulos. Everyone loves him down there. Um, so big as a brainer. Just really cool to see like the progression of his career. Um, he's like one of the. I think there. It's a, he's one of four players in history to play six hundred at least six hundred games at the NHL level and at least six hundred at the AHL level. Oh wow! He's been everywhere. He's seen a whole lot. Oh of my god! Stuff. He's a good guy to have as like you know kind of a, a mentor and working with these young guys. So um very cool very, love that very happy for him just the nicest guy too um and then uh the other the other i feel like we're talking about front office moves every week but the other one was uh because andy Socher, their video coach he got um this was last week or was that two weeks ago he got promoted to um he's taking on an analyst position he's gonna be kind of like the go between between the analytics staff and the coaching gyms um like the front office so what Mm-hmm. To replace him, they just took the um, Penguins assistant video coach Madison Nickel and promoted him to head video coach. And I like we talk about like Socher's um, like record with like challenging you know goals. Madison Nickel was part mm-hmm. of that. It's not it was it was it wasn't just Andy working alone. Madison Nickel was part of the it was like, right the team you know deciding helping to decide when to challenge so that's not going to be lost no and like and, i yeah my understanding is like andy says here his role it's still going to allow him to 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 do that during games maybe not yeah as like that's his main focus anymore but he's still involved in that so nothing um that i think fans will notice too much or that it's going to be like too much of a step back over a loss yeah, all positive stuff. That's good. Positive. That's good. And then, yeah, one final thing, one positive note. The Penguins were nominated for ESPN's Sports Humanitarian Team of the Year Award, which is pretty awesome. What does that all entail? What what requirements need to be met for a team to be nominated for that? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to – so it's a, it's like an S, ESPN, like S, it goes on with the ESPYs. Um, the other nominees – it's uh, the Broncos in the NFL, the Miami Heat, the NWA, NBA, and the WNBA Seattle Storm. Um, so I don't know, because there's not like an MLB team, so I don't know if they're trying to pick like the top one in each league. And I don't okay. know. I, I don't know. But they do. Yeah, so they look around and see what kind of like charitable organizations, uh, initiatives, um, teams that were involved in it. And the Penguins, I mean, they, they are very – uh, worthy nominee. I mean, just look at like things they did this year. This isn't everything. Um, but, so I mean, last week alone, the Penguins Foundation they distributed grants totaling uh, almost nine hundred thousand dollars to different local organizations Jeez. in the Pittsburgh area. Stuff like um, 
Children's Home of Pittsburgh, um, the Ryan Shazier Fund for Spinal Rehabilitation, a, a very like wide ranging group of charities. Yeah. Um, several hockey organizations, including blind hockey, special hockey, sled hockey, warrior hockey. Um, and then like throughout the year, but in April they had, you know, hockey talks um, in support of mental health awareness. Um, they had pride night and everything surrounding like pride night. They, you know, benefited different organizations like safe Haven, which, uh, they aim to provide shelter for, um, LGBTQIA plus youth experiencing homelessness in Pittsburgh. So very worthy, mm. um, cause they also completed, yeah. um, the Willie O'Ree Academy. That's something that was new. They completed the first season of that. That's, um, a group where they, they created it provides unique training, social, and mentorship opportunities for black youth hockey players across um, the Pittsburgh area. Um, I know, like, P.O. Joseph was, was involved in that. Like, Trevor Daly was yeah. for that, too. So, um, players, members of the very cool the front office, um, just looking to grow the game of hockey. And, I mean, that's just um, a couple of things that they did this year. So, they definitely did a lot of stuff. So, um, mm-hmm. that's not a fan-voted award. It's not something that fans can uh, vote on. They just decide. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who wins that. I feel, I, I don't, I don't know. I could, I can't speak to, you know, their chances or anything. Cause I'm, I don't know too much about what the other teams did. Yeah. But, uh, very cool to see them be nominated. Yeah. That's awesome. And it's just, it's really exciting to be part of a town with a team like that that's doing so much for the, the community and the sport because they're, yeah, they're, they're really doing everything that they can to to give and to give back and to make the the sport itself open and safe for everybody and that's that's awesome love love that they're doing that and that they're being um recognized for that because that that's uh, definitely should not go um un, unrewarded in some capacity so it's good to see them getting getting some spotlight for that really really cool stuff well everybody thank you so much for joining us for another episode of podcast on fifth ab just a reminder we drop new episodes every thursday so make sure you're subscribed so you never miss anything we're on all podcast streaming platforms and we're on youtube as well we'll see you next week for another episode